Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Welcome to the good news. Dr. Joe is here getting us feeling healthy, lots of energy, living a long life. Hello, Dr. Joe. Howdy. Good to see you. We're going to do uh, good news together. And then I also want to touch on a couple of topics. One of them includes um, simple tips for staying fit on vacation because so many people let all their health fall by the wayside and I'm leaving on a little vacay. And so uh, I want to give you a couple of things I do, but I know you're like over the top. So we might not do exactly what you do, but we can get some ideas from you because you're the type that would like ship your food to the hotel kind of guy, right? Yeah. Well, the thing is, is food it's a love-hate relationship with food. And so food, if I eat the wrong meals, it can ruin my vacation. Right. So I feel terrible. So a certain, you know, I, I will, a vacation for me is going somewhere where I don't have an agenda. Right. Not so much I can all of a sudden eat donuts and eat cake right. and, and whatever. It's, no, I'm going to keep living the way, I call it the married rule. You know what? Whenever I go somewhere, I don't act, I'm married, right? No matter where I am, I'm married. Right. So I do not not, I don't ever act unmarried. Right. Well, I'm healthy. And so wherever I go, uh-huh. I don't ever act unhealthy because, A, I don't want to have to have a vacation from a vacation. Yes. I don't want too much sugar or, or the food that, my, ruin that, my, it. that my body's allergic to. I just wake up grumpy and, and moody, and people are like, okay, get rid of this guy. So really, it's it's kind of like, you know, I, I know no one else is like this, but the, but food can really ruin my day. Yeah. I don't feel good. Sugar, and, definitely for yeah. me. All right, so we're going to cover so, that in a minute yeah. after good news. And then second segment, Peter Chin is coming up, and he has a great testimony. And when I say great, um, powerful. Let me say powerful, because he decided he was going to start an inner-city church. Um, he and his wife sold everything. They um, lost um, their baby, that they, were, they had a miscarriage. Then his wife got breast cancer. Uh, their uh, insurance company said that it was a pre-existing condition, so they weren't going to treat this mm. uh, exa- uh, very aggressive cancer. And during the midst of that, she found out she was pregnant, and they said, you should terminate the pregnancy, which they did not. And then they said, well, but the chemo is really going to harm the baby. You would not believe this amazing story of what they mm. went through. Oh, and by the way, when they moved into the new house by the inner city church, their home got broken into the day they moved in. So you think your life is boring. <laughs> Isn't that? <laughs> I mean, his, you just can't even imagine all the things that went wrong and and how beautifully the story turns out. So uh, he's a pastor, Peter Chin. He's going to yeah. join us with his story in a few minutes. My mom read his book, too, and she yeah, really it's a love enjoyed book, it. Right? It's, a, it's a love book? The, the love book? Or no, is that, uh-uh. is that him no his is more of his, his story oh, okay. of all these things that have gone on in his life that are so difficult. All right, so with that said... Let's talk about a couple of good news stories, and then we'll get your tips for staying fit on vacation. Or even if you just have a long work day, you know, because you've got an event coming up that's going to teach us, it's free, how to make super lunches that are healthy for you and your family. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. All right, so I want to uh, share with you a couple of good news stories. One in particular, I just got a kick out of it because I know your passion is to change the world for, for health, to make people, to see like food as like a medicine. See people be happy and healthy. Yeah. yeah, and live longer and not miss their daughter's wedding because they get cancer. Ha- and they... have more fun, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. have more fun. I like just, that. Just a Dr. small Joe, mission. you want people to have small more fun. Mi- I know mission. sometimes you're like, I want to get all of Denver healthy and then go out from well, there around the country. Well, think about... hey, we're working on Portland right now in Birmingham. They're listening. I'm telling you, I mean, think about your children. What do you want for your children? Oh, yeah, you know? healthy yeah. life. They're happy. And, and a friend of mine, you're real quick, I know, but a friend of mine, like when my, when my daughter sings on stage at church, I literally just cry because of just the joy. And, and so that's God's heart for us. And so he, I feel he uses us on this show, The Good News, to, to for that to happen to 
everybody in the world, all his children. And so like how I cry and I want my kids to really go for it and have a great life, he uses us like this radio show and me as a doctor to help set people free so they can go do the same thing too. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that we can be used in a positive manner. All right, so this is just an interview for um, Soul Pancake, the website. Have you heard about Kid President? It's a real positive website. Yes, yes. So they interviewed a whole bunch of people, and they just asked random people from little kids up to seniors, all, you know, all ages, how would you change the world? It's pretty cute. If you could change anything in the world, what would you change? I don't know, honestly. I like everything about the world right now, but... I would change that there would be no school, and I wish there would be no homework. Stop focusing on the look of perfection. How fast we travel. The level of technology. I wouldn't want, like, robots taking over the world, that kind of situation, but... I would have equality, because we don't have that yet. For our skin color, preference, and everything, I want everybody to treat each other equal. Inequality in terms of people who are hungry and have no place to live, and other people who have so much money they don't know what to do with it. And everyone just be able to like eat whenever they want, and they won't have to pay or they won't have to work for it. It would just like grow out the ground. I would change currency because all everybody wants now is money. I'd change rich people to poor people. It's just good weather. California weather I adore. Can it be big? Can I say like income inequality? Prison system in America. Eliminate the invention of the gun. People's ego investment in being right. Stigmatism of mental illness. I don't know what I could change. Well, actually, I think I know one thing. If there was a way to, like, get dinosaurs back, I would make that. I don't know how that would change the world, but hey, that could change the world a lot. That's the same girl that said, I love everything about the world. And then she thought about it more and she said, if we could get dinosaurs back. But it's just sweet that, you know, what the kids think will make the world neat. But Mm -hmm. in listening to it, well, let's hear from you. What would you, um, if you could change the world, what would you change? What would I change? Oh, man. Should I tell you what I'd change while you You think about it? You go first. You go first, please. So not just equality. I heard someone say equality. Not just equality, but kindness. You know, being kind to others, do do unto others as he would have them do unto you. Yeah. Like to actually live our faith, not just talk about it and go to church, but actually put your faith into action in day to day life. And then um, I do like that idea about um, uh, the woman said that you know, kind of being married to being right. Mm-hmm. I think that so many times we think that we have to be right and not say I'm sorry because saying I'm sorry means you're not right. And it's like, do you want to be right or do you want to have a happy relationship? Can you just, you know, the whole the whole thing of like agreeing to disagree? Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of that because yeah. okay, I don't have to be right. Yeah, and that's a whole other four hours of show time on that <laughs> as far as that goes. You be- can't have that much time, be- Dr. Because, Joe. Because, you know, again, what would I do if I could change the world? I would teach people that being good to others is the most effective way to fix the situation, no matter what it is, whether you get – unfairly treated at at Starbucks waiting for your coffee or whether your spouse or your kids. I just think the art of being good, like we talked about in the past, the art of doing good for others just for doing good would do so much because then then when you're having it, like my daughter was in Starbucks one day and someone bought her a drink and then bought her one of these glass, big old glass things that you can put your coffee in. If we just did that, she was standing in Starbucks. She was standing, and the person said, "She's really cute, though." You know, let's be honest. Well, I not, you know, and like, and like the other day, you know, just I, I think what's, because again, what do? Here's my brain is, 
what do I want to make the world better? Or what would be the most effective way? Because that's kind of, a, I, I right. think let's it's strategically. Okay. Well, it's just all, you know, never. But the thing is, I think if I can just wake up every day and be good to as many people as I can, that and be that my focus, then I think the whole world would change because now we have more. Uh, and, and again, like your radio show and on the TVs, that, that, hey, this person did this for this person, this person did this person, and getting others to love. Uh, I've... I've I was listening to a message by Pastor Osteen and talking about how we judge others. And sometimes I have to admit, if someone doesn't believe like I believe, whether it's in health, you know, like someone's drinking a Diet Coke, oh, you know, I kind of had this little, oh, how can I get like, them to believe? Do you get judgy eyes? Well, do you look at them with know, judgy I, eyes? I, I, I look at them and go, how can I help educate them? And basically, bottom line, how can I get them to believe like I believe? And I just had to stop and say, okay, I'm done with that. How can I just love them? And then if, if I get to be their doctor, how can I help them love others so much that just, you know, I don't want you to believe like me anymore, but I want you to love like me. That, that's kind of been my switch this week, my big aha this week is even my kids. Kids, how often do I try to get you to believe what I believe and then I watch to see if your life is going down that road or not? And when it doesn't, I get frustrated, which means I'm probably getting judgmental because you're not believing like me versus, hey, you know what? My dad let my dad. They're going to be like us anyways. I, you know, I'm like more like my dad every day. But if I can just simply say, my dad loves me unconditionally, and I know the right choices to make, and eventually, but, but I think we're supposed to love them. And that really, if goodness is the fastest way to help this world, I think loving each other unconditionally and giving them the patience and the time and the grace to figure it out on their own, they'll make the right decisions. Well, it's interesting you say that because I just did an interview with someone um, who specializes in brains and teen brains, mm -hmm. and it talks about why they do a lot of the things that they do, and it made so much more sense to me about why they take more risks and why they want that independence to make some of their own decisions. But you're right. Ultimately, we've, we have taught them already. We're not yeah. teaching them when they're 17, 18, no. and 19. They know better. They know what we know. They know what we have taught them and instilled in them. Yeah. They're just kind of checking out their boundaries yeah. and... You know, um, showing that, that getting their freedom, you know, and yeah. kind of getting a little taste of it. But I agree with you, just loving them in the midst of letting them make some of their yeah. own decisions. It's hard when they get um, over 18. And I think a lot, kids of, are. a lot of my frustration is trying and so, uh, so unconsciously, like, oh, they don't believe like I believe. They don't understand that decision is going to really hurt them and cause it's like, well, They'll believe it once they figure it out. But if I can love them through it, and now I'm still going to lead them and in, in let them know my opinion. That they're never too old for that. But right. uh, but um, you know, but love through love. That's that's the big. It was just for me. I don't know if it makes any sense, but for me, it was an aha when I said, I don't have to get my patients to believe like I believe. Just educate them, lead them, and love them, and make sure that when they leave our office, they feel refreshed, like somebody listens to them, someone cares about them. You know, so if they made a mistake on whatever, we don't judge them on that. We just love them and say, hey, you need some help? Sure. And we just go from there. It's inter interesting you say that because when I'm upset with my kids when they haven't done what they're supposed to do, per se, my son will say, are you mad at me, mom? Why are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? Mm -hmm. So he's not feeling me love him through it. Right. And then um, the girls sometimes, especially Hope, will say, you, you don't love me anymore, do you, if I if she's let me down? And I, of course, assure them that if I love you always, even yeah. if you make a decision that's not good. You're a kid. You're learning. You're not knowing yet as a kid. You're learning. Yeah. And so you are supposed to make mistakes, and then we teach you. So I'm not I'm mad at you. Build their confidence. Yeah. 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 No matter what, you, you can't mess this up. 
Love uh, yeah. it's fun being a parent. That was just this week in my head, so yeah, it's in your head. All right, so change the world. So yeah, yeah I, I like the whole idea of doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. All right, and I think this is a little this is a little microcosm of what you and I are talking about. I came across this good news story, and you're going to be like, well, this is a weird good news story, Angie. It has to do with people who ride a bus together. Okay, mm-hmm. well, they started riding the bus together years and years and years ago, and instead of staring at the newspaper at that in that time, or now what people right. do stare they text people they stare at their device they don't even look up they don't even acknowledge the person next to them Mm -hmm. i mean they literally don't even know who they're on the bus with there's no like human connection and those relationships can be so important not only did these people start talking to each other every day because they're on long bus rides yeah they're still friends all these years later good friends and they've gone through you know the birth that grandchildren and dinners together and you know trips and outings together and so this good news reporter that i really love he kind of got them all together back in the back of the bus and talked about how this friendship started between men and women, yeah. business people riding um, on the bus. In this day and age, I don't know if this would happen, but I think it's so cool. Yeah, not intentionally, no. Take no. a listen. Yeah. This is how most of us spend our time on public transportation, headphones on, facing our phones, avoiding contact with other people at all costs. Always got downtown by about 525. But not these guys. They're the types that will sit down next to you and actually engage in conversation. No, they rode together, but they didn't meet on the bus. While others would just as soon turn their backs. They're missing out, I think. This is the back of the bus club. They started as strangers with one thing in common, a King County bus route out of Buring. We just started conversing and talking. Then one day, Jim Canterbury announced it was his birthday. They hung little decorations, even including the bus driver in the party. They put it up across here. The bus driver could look back in his mirror and it said, happy birthday. What started with just a few people quickly grew as others listened in. Isn't that sweet? And there's another part that I'll share because it went from there. So it wasn't just like, wow, we're becoming friends and we're getting to know about each other's lives and we're talking every day for a significant amount of time, men and women in a group sharing stories of, you know, kids, grandkids as the years went on and that they've kept this connection. I just think it's crazy. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've talked about in the past, my friend uh, Dave, um, Dave Runyon wrote a book called The Art of Neighboring. And, oh, I like that. And, and it's a really good book on how to intentionally, in an organic way, do this kind of stuff. Because it takes somebody to instigate saying, hey, how you doing? Yes. Hey, or I haven't seen you all week. Where you, oh, vacate. And you just start talking and others Do you know who join. does it? Who does Kids. It? Yeah. Kids will Absolutely. just out of the blue, I like your bag. Yeah. Your dog's so pretty. I love your hair bow. Exactly. And my, my daughter always goes, I like your baby. Yeah. The, I like your baby. That's a cute baby. Mom, can we have a baby like that? That's a good baby. Yeah. And then, then the person just loves that. Who doesn't want their baby to be, you know, talked about? Yeah. And on the bus, especially, I'm sure in certain suburbs, certain areas, I mean, this is their job oh. they've been going to for 10, 20 years, and this is the way they get to work. So they're, you're going to see them a lot. A so lot. I just think that's, you know, my parents just came out and visited us and they brought their neighbor. And I was trying to think, how long has she been our neighbor? 40 years. Wow. You know, and, and the with art the, of neighboring. Yeah. And the, so the art of neighboring builds that relationship because that's, that's the key. Again, getting back to changing the world, you know, okay, is this going to be a quiet bus ride or is this going to be a life giving bus ride? And oh. it can be life giving no matter where you're at. Listen to part two. You'll love it. They're laughing and they're enjoying each other's company. And so I would slowly start sitting closer and closer until I was eventually accepted into the group. That was 25 years ago. The one-time strangers, now the dearest of friends, celebrating the births of grandkids, helping each other through illnesses, but enjoying every minute of the ride. 
together, so an hour and a half a day, most people don't spend that much time alone with their family talking. And that's how we got to be so close. Not everybody was on board, however. Some didn't appreciate all the chatter and would occasionally complain. If somebody wanted to read or something, this probably wasn't the place for them. They wanted it to be quiet. But these guys say those are the folks truly missing the bus. They remind us all something very meaningful could be passing you by as you stare out the bus window. It's okay to talk to strangers. You're only on a bus. You may never see them again, but if you're getting on the same bus every morning, you might as well talk to the same people. Love that. Yeah. Isn't that neat? Yeah. I want to just talk, and we can further discuss this later, but some simple tips for staying fit on vacation. I look at the menu before I go to the restaurant. I look it up on my um, you know, uh, uh, phone and figure out what I'm going to eat before I go in so I'm not pressured to eat all the bread and the junk. Mm -hmm. And then also I do a lot of walking activities, so I make it a real active vacation. And then I do bring some of my favorite go-to healthy foods. How about you? Got a minute. Tell me what you do. It all depends on where I'm going. My vacations are based on... I can be healthy, you know, uh, and so I'll look and see if there's a Whole Foods there. I'll look and see what we can do to go shopping or if there's a health food store, depends where I go. There's some really neat online places like Thrive Market now. You can go online and order your, your food and have it shipped to the hotel or shipped wherever you're going to be because, again, you know, with my, my, with my wife having cancer in the past and my daughter having seizures in the past, we need to still stay on our game. And so I want to make sure that we eat and we work out. Now I try to see if there's a CrossFit gym in the neighborhood, you know, so I can go join them and hang out with their community and get, get one of their T-shirts. So it's a whole community thing we do. So there's what I do every day. Whether I'm in Denver, whether I'm in Japan, whether I'm in, uh, you know, Florida, it's just I like to live my life. Yeah. So I, I tell so people. you're a healthy guy and you bring it with you on vacation. Speaking yes. of which, I want to talk about this real quick, too. Um, how to uh, make super lunches healthy for you and your family. It's a free event. Yes. August 17th. August 17th. We moved it. It's going to be August 17th at 630 at my office up in North Glen. And literally, lunch, it can make you or break you. Because if you skip breakfast, then lunch is your first meal. And if you don't get lunch, then you're going to get crabby in the afternoon. And if you're a kid in school, that could be bad news. And if you're an employee, that could be bad news as well. So we're going to show you how to make easy, simple lunches that everyone will love. All your friends will be jealous because you're eating so healthy and you're going to love it. You'll lose weight and feel great. All right. How do we fig uh, How do we find you? Find me at 303-349-6011 or spinegeek.com. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Joe. Bless Sounds you. wonderful. Looking forward to making some healthy lunches for the kids that they'll actually eat. Yes. Yes. Eight ten KLVZ, Brighton, Denver, and the entire Front Range. Online at klvz.com. A Crawford Broadcasting Station. Hey, it's Angie. Do you have things you want to give away, but you know you feel like, oh, it's too nice, and I just want to give it away, or it's too much of a hassle to bring it down to donate it? Well, guess what? I'm very good friends with the ARC organization. My friend Francis Owens is here, and you'll come pick up our stuff for free. We will. I won't personally, <laughs> although I guess I could. Yes. I actually do some of that, but we would love anything you'd like to donate. Nice items, even if they're not quite so nice. Things sell. It's amazing. It's like you're always on a hunt. Please call 303 2 Jane, which is 303-238-5263. We'd love to come pick up anything you'd like to donate. Well, I have to tell you, we donate a lot because my husband refuses to let things hang around the house. And he used to just <laughs> aim for the trash. And now he knows no. we have an ARC box. Yep. And you know we've even brought a trailer load down. And that's before I knew that you would come pick up things for free. And if you want more information about shopping with a purpose, they have great items at ARC. All of the money stays locally to help the disabled community. Go to arcthrift.org. 
you ever feel like you're just searching for a church and you just can't find the right one? Well, I must have looked for about 10 years. I have to tell you, I've never been so excited to go to church. I feel that Pastor John Moreland, my pastor, that's you, John, um, has a real gift for teaching. And there's so much love in that church. And I've never felt more welcome. And I have to tell you, Pastor Moreland, I just, I, I love going to church now. I learn something every week, and, I, and I, I just feel so blessed by you. It makes me cry. Well, I'm humbled to hear you say that. Denver Christian Bible Church is about two things. One, we want to make genuine connections with people, and two, we want to genuinely connect those people to Jesus. Thursday night, we connect. You can go to dinner. You get to know people. And then on Sundays, I just feel like it's a time of getting together and learning, and I feel I'm always hugged. I've never been hugged so many times in my life by people who are really happy to see me there. And so I feel like I'm growing, but I also feel like I have a support system at Denver Christian Bible Church. So if people would like to come, how do they reach you, Pastor Moreland? Please go to our website. You can download our sermons for free and find out where we are, denverbible.org. Hey, it's Angie Austin with the good news. You know, do you have dreams that you'd like to reach, goals, desires? Are you hurting? Are you sad? Have you had a loss? I have the most wonderful thing for you. Last year, I said, I'd love to get some of the great speakers from around Denver and have kind of like our own women of faith. So it's called Real Women, Real Issues, Real Solutions. Last year, the women said it was life changing and they asked us if we would do it again. So we have six wonderful speakers, myself included. I'm going to be talking about, uh, do you want to be a victim or a victor? Beatrice Bruno, the drill sergeant of life, talking about letting go of the past. We're going to talk about reaching your goals with Carrie Conley. Michelle Ron, Miss Senior America, talking about choices and aiming towards Christ. Angel Tussie, radio host on AM560, talking about how she resurrected her marriage and her home life and how to have home life in balance. And no one has a better life than Angel. And Diane Lopes, talking about money and trust. I have to tell you, as a Christian woman, I feel so blessed to be part of this. I would love for you to come. AngieAustinRadio.com for tickets October 3rd in Highlands Ranch. Pleasant to your ears, rejuvenating to your soul. 810 KLVZ, where love lives. Welcome back. Well, have you ever been blindsided by God? Well, that is what we're going to talk about. Peter Chin wrote a book, Blindsided by God, Disappointment, Suffering, and the Untamable Goodness of God. So there's a lot of good in this, which is perfect for the good news. Peter Chin is a pastor, writer, speaker, and advocate for racial reconciliation, a graduate of Yale University and Fuller Seminary. And he's uh, pastored and planted churches in L.A., Virginia, D.C., and now he's in South Seattle at one of the most, most racially uh, diverse locations or zip codes in the U.S. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thanks for having me, Angie. You are welcome. So let's just start with the, the basics of what blinded by God, disappointment, suffering, and the untamable goodness of God. If you take off that last sentence, by the way, it sounds like, oh, blindsided, disappointment, and suffering. But then there's also the goodness of it as well. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that was very intentional in terms of uh, how we uh, titled the book, because um, I think there is uh, part of the story is being blindsided by disappointment and by terrible things. Uh, it was a really difficult season that uh, my wife and I experienced for about a year and a half. Um, and so half of the story is definitely how we dealt with that and, and how we made sense of that moment. But the other half of it is how we were blindsided by um, God's goodness in the midst of it, which was really surprising. We didn't expect to see God work so powerfully through those events, through those things that were so difficult for us. And so the story really is about being surprised by suffering, but also being surprised by God's ability to walk with us and to redeem us from, from, those, from, those, uh, from those kind of moments. 
Well, you know, we love uh, testimonies on the show. That's a big part of what we do. And I think that we have to tell, uh, you know, some of your testimony in order to better understand the book and why you wrote it. So I know that you're, you know, when we, when we follow God and we feel like we have a calling, I think a lot of times we're like, okay, and then it'll be like the yellow brick road and there'll be yeah. really delicious candy and unicorns <laughs> and sunshine and rainbows and maybe cotton candy. Uh, and it'll be so fun. But sometimes the calling is really hard work. And sometimes maybe we are going to take a twist in the road that'll lead us to slight, something slightly different. So you certainly had good intentions when you moved your family into an inner city neighborhood to plant a church. And let's be honest, that's not easy. But then a lot of other things followed that. So let's go through some of that testimony, shall we, Peter? Yeah, sure. That's precisely what happened. We, My wife and I really felt called to plant a church in D.C. And uh, so we moved uh, our family, our two daughters, uh, out to the city to plant a church. And we really felt this was God's calling in our lives. And we were really excited and, and we're kind of expectant and, and positive about what was what was going to happen. Um, one of the first things that happened actually after we received that calling is my wife miscarried our third child. Um, and then when we moved into our new home, it was broken into the day that we actually uh, got the keys from our realtor. And so we were really confused by this because like you said, we had assumed or there was a sense that you know we were doing God's will. And so we were expecting to see doors open and see amazing things happen. Um, you know, and so we were really surprised by this. What really made it difficult, even after that, was that my wife was diagnosed with, um, with a really aggressive form of breast cancer. And uh, you guys are young. Yeah, and it was really, that was one of the things that surprised us. I mean, wow. she, felt, she felt a lump in, in her chest and assumed she was only, um, I think, 32 at the time, oh, and she has goodness. no history of breast cancer in her family. And so we just assumed it was, um, you know, something from the miscarriage, you know, something that we could... Uh, wasn't a big deal, and we were we again we were completely shocked by that diagnosis because of her age, because of her lack of medical history, um, and then we heard that it was a very aggressive form that had already started to spread to her lymph nodes um, by the time we had caught it, um, and then the the real the real kicker in the end was that our insurance company sent us a letter after all of that telling us that they weren't responsible for uh, paying for her treatments, and so we would have to pay for it all on our own. And um, all of that, from the miscarriage down to that letter from our insurance company, happened in about six months. And it was the same six months that we were planting a church. And so the, the, the collision, the juxtaposition of you know, doing something for God, feeling called uh, to follow Him, and experiencing the worst of what life had to offer was really jarring for us. It was difficult to make sense of. I just can't even imagine, you know, I was reading that your fear overwhelmed you. So you're planning this church, you're in a difficult neighborhood, the home was broken into a burglar, burglarized the, the first day that you're there. Your wife gets aggressive cancer at 32, she's miscarried, uh, they drop your coverage. I mean, come on, I mean, yeah. you've, you're already down, how many more times can you be kicked? And then, because this is a rare cancer, there aren't a lot of therapies for you to choose from, and obviously they're very expensive, so if you are dropped from your coverage, that is going to impact the pot, you know, her, her survival, yeah. you know, so where do yeah. you go from there? You know, it was, um, you're, you're exactly right. Those were the things that were racing through our mind on, you know, 24 hours a day about, um, why is this happening? How are we going to afford this? How are we going to, um, you know, do we have to compromise on the level of care that she receives? All oh. these questions. Uh, fortunately, were we, we were able to force the insurance company to recognize mm -hmm. her coverage and, and to, um, to acknowledge that it wasn't a pre-existing condition and they were they were liable to, to pay for her her coverage so that was lucky and so we were able to 
um, get that accomplished. But at the same time, it, it, we just, I mean, I, I mentioned in the book that I really felt betrayed by God, you know, that I felt like um, this wasn't supposed to happen to me. And I, and I, what, that would really surprise me because, um, you know, I, at that time I was a pastor and um, I had gone to seminary and planted churches. And I knew that people who followed God's will um, still would suffer. I mean, look at Jesus, look at the disciples. And here I was really shocked that I was suffering while following God's will. And it made me realize that regardless of what conscious theology I held and what I had learned from school and other so sources, I had a subconscious theology that told me otherwise, that um, that maybe led me to believe that if I did God's work, that I'd be blessed materially in all that I did. And so that was, that was a really first important first step to recognize that um, what we were going through was not contrary to God's word or his will, that people could follow him and still suffer at the same time. And I had to recognize that and really accept that, not just consciously, but subconsciously as well. Well, I just, just a sidebar, when you talked about, you know, getting the uh, coverage or the okay, you know, with her uh, insurance, something uh, kind of similar happened to me when I was younger, and they said they wouldn't pay for something when I'd been assaulted, and uh -huh. um, I had to have um, some facial reconstructive surgery, and uh -huh. they said no. And I just have to say to people, the insurance companies will say no because they believe we'll give up. And uh -huh. so I love it that you guys challenged it. I did as well, and it was fully covered. And yeah. so I just always stand up for your rights in any situation and try to, you know, uh, get the coverage that you feel you deserve. So that's just a sidebar. But okay, yeah. so then you realize that even though you are doing God's work and you're following him, that you're not supposed to be immune from suffering. Yeah. And so um, then, um, d please tell me things got better. Like what, what happens after? So there's the cancer, there's the infertility, you know, losing the child. What, what, what happens as you're praying your way through, um, you know, probably the darkest time of your life? Well, you know, that's when things did take a turn, but in a very strange way, in a way that we never expected. I mean, you were, we were praying for instantaneous healing and, and you know, things of that nature. Um, but when my wife went in for her mastectomy, the first step of her treatment, um, you know, she was being prepped for surgery and the surgeon called me into the, the, the prep room and told me that they had taken some blood tests, routine blood tests for my wife before her procedure. And they found out that her, her hormone levels were all out of whack. And um, they did some other tests, and they confirmed that my wife was actually pregnant. Uh, she's pregnant again with our third child. And Whoa. so we found out about this child while she was being wheeled in for her mastectomy. And that was not the answer to prayer. I mean, that wasn't the prayer that we were praying, you know, at that moment. We weren't praying to God, you know, God, please let Carol get pregnant while she's about to go into surgery and go in for chemo. Um, and that's what happened. And at, But at the same time... When we heard that news from our surgeon, both my wife and I looked at each other and we just had this profound sense that this was God's will, that this was something that God wanted. Even though we had no idea what God was up to, we, we had this sense that God was, God was a part of this moment. And so that's the turning point of our story. It wasn't that everything turned better. It was that God, God simply did a mysterious work. He, he simply showed up and, and started to turn our story in his own mysterious way. All right, so she's headed in for the mastectomy. You find out that she's pregnant. She's facing chemo. I'm assuming that the doctors may have, even though you guys are in the ministry, suggested terminating the pregnancy. That would be my, that's kind of how the medical world works. Let's, let's uh, reduce complications and focus on the patient that we have here already. Is that what happened? 
That's precisely right. Um, she went through the mastectomy uh, just fine, and then we talked to our oncologist about uh, treatment options for chemo. And she was very straightforward and, um, you know, very compassionate at the same time. She said, this is the advice I'll give to my own sister, that um, you need to terminate this pregnancy right away so that your wife can bring, begin treatments. Um, and her argument was that the treatments haven't been proven safe for a baby, and so there's a chance that he or she might be born with a lot of uh, problems. Um, and if you wait for the baby to develop more, then the, the cancer will spread in your wife, and so you have to choose one life or the other. And uh, it was a very stark decision and a very difficult one that was presented to us. Um, but at the same time, we went back to that conviction that even though our doctor couldn't understand why this had happened, and we couldn't either, that this was something that God had put together for us. And um, so that, that's what we, we decided. We said, you know, we understand your advice, but at the same time, we, we feel this pregnancy is important. And we, did, we opted to keep the baby while going through chemotherapy, which was against... Uh, the advice of our doctors. Wow. Well, I, you know, and I, I would have done the same thing. And so, of course, I'm curious to find out what happened. I mean, we, we want to know. So the doctors say, you know, don't keep the baby. You say, no, we believe this is, you know, God's will, and we're going to keep the baby and go through chemo. So yeah. how, how, how did Carol do, and, and, and how did the baby do? Yeah, so, I mean, um, you know, it, the, the chemo was difficult because essentially – you know, for listeners who don't know, chemotherapy chases um, rapidly dividing cells, which, you know, cancer cells tend to be that way and, and, and chases them and destroys them. That's how it fights cancer. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, that's what a growing child is. Absolutely. A child in the womb is um, a mass of growing cells. And so, you know, every time she went in for her treatments and you could see the fluids go in, I, it just it just scared me. It frightened me to the core to think how how is that chemical not going to affect this child? I mean, mm -hmm. how to differentiate between good growing cells and bad growing cells? Um, and so it was you know it was about six months of of, of just prayer and a lot some fear and um, not knowing what would happen. Um, and then about. Uh, Nine, you know, eight months later, or I guess seven and a half months later, after that, um, after that conversation with our oncologist, um, it was September of 2010 that we welcomed our son into the world, and uh, he had no no defects whatsoever, no unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. And actually, he was larger and longer than both his sisters were. So, you know, as far as we could see at that moment, there was there was nothing at all that was. Um, you know, a matter with our son. And so we, we truly praise God that, um, that he was able to protect our child in the womb like that. It was, it was, we were pretty amazed by that. Unbelievable. Okay. So the whole pregnancy, she's going through chemo, the baby, he's fine. He's born. He's fine. Were there any complications, anything weird happened during the pregnancy that scared you guys? Or were you just terrified the whole time wondering what would happen on the day he was born? Well, um, there, there were, uh, difficult moments, even, you know, while going through chemo, one of them was um, after one of the latter chemo sessions. You know, the the thing about chemo is that um, the effects are cumulative, meaning that they add up over time. Right. It's not just that um, you know they get more and more toxic as it goes along. And so, towards the latter, towards the end of her treatments, a few days after, um, you know, after uh, one of her treatments, she told me that, um, she couldn't feel the baby move, okay. uh, you know, that she didn't feel any emotion. And immediately my mind thought back to her miscarriage. 
about a year previously. And I thought, you know, it's happening again. It's the same thing that uh, we've lost this child as well. And, you know, when something bad happens, you assume that same thing is going to happen again. And that's right. precisely what I thought. Um, but we went into um, ER and took an ultrasound and, you know, put the ultrasound probe just in that right spot. And, and you hear that that really fast heartbeat, you know, the almost like the pitter patter of the baby's heart. And we knew that the baby was fine. And um, so there were moments like that that were, you know, even before his birth, we uh, um, that we weren't sure. We didn't know what would happen. But God made it clear that he was going to um, he was going to take care of this. He wasn't going to let his plan fail. And so, um, yeah, his That's, birth really acknowledged that. Yeah. That is a miracle. And if you're just joining us, Peter Chin is talking about his book, Blindsided by God, Disappointment, Suffering, and the Untamable Goodness of God. So you go through the inner city church plant, uh, the house is broken into the first day, your wife gets cancer, you've already gone through a miscarriage. They tell you to abort the baby that you're pregnant with another, she's pregnant another time. She goes through chemo. You say, you know, no way, we're not aborting the baby. And he's fine. And then I, I read that a lot of these things you went through, as is often the case when we're broken, God uses us to minister to others. And um, in chapter nine, you talk about the seminary of suffering and that yeah. a new type of person started to come into your world or attend the church that you could really relate to. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So that was, you know, really in the heart of the story when my wife was going through chemo and I was also at the same time planting the church. So we didn't decide to shutter it. We, we tried to go ahead with it. And, um, you know, usually church plants are really high energy and you get really effective and capable people coming out. Uh, for our church, we started seeing a very different kind of person at our church plant. Um, we saw people who had cancer. We saw people who had lost family members, parents, children. Um, we saw refugees from, from Iraq, from war-torn countries. And I was kind of surprised because there weren't many resources. We were at that point, maybe 25 people. Sheesh. And I didn't, I, I didn't know, you know, what, what we had to offer. And um, to the person, what they said was that they just wanted someone who they knew would understand their own suffering and their own story. And they knew I would. And that's when I realized that uh, a, a major part of being a pastor, but even being a Christian is understanding suffering mm -hmm. because the gospel is filled with suffering. And, if you want to understand what Jesus went through, then you have to understand, you know, that that element of life. Well, and, so, and Peter, so many people become victims when we go through things like you did, and we all have our story of difficulty and trials, and you had a lot of these all at once in your life. And I mean, someone recently said to me that um, Jesus is the ultimate, ultimate victor story. No one had more reason to become a victim than he did. No one was turned on more and hurt more, and, yeah. uh, and, and here— I just think he's a good example of how um, we we too can um, lead a life that is extraordinary, even in the midst of all of these uh, you know pain trials. You know, yeah. it's hard to put into words, but you know, basically, uh, I feel like life crushes so many of us, right. and that we don't find the hope in the midst of the pain. And so that's why I think your book is so beautiful. So I want to make sure, you know, before we wrap up the interview, um, we're talking with uh, Peter Chin about Blindsided by God, Disappointment, Suffering, and the Untamable Goodness of God. Um, what what do you want people to take away from the book when they read it, Peter? What do you want them to learn and feel? Well, you know, th there's one last story that I think illustrates it well. And yeah, please do. Um, share it. Yeah, after my son was born, um, a study came out from uh, MD Anderson, really you know renowned cancer institute, and um, in it they said that women who are pregnant with breast cancer have a better rate of survival and less chance of recurrence of the, of the cancer. 
And that came out after my son's birth, and it was cutting-edge research. And it went against what our doctor had told us, even just nine months before, that we should terminate the, the baby because it was bad for, um, you know, that it wouldn't work and, and all these different things. And when I read that article, it was almost as if God was kind of showing it to me, you know, and saying, see, this is this is what I had planned. This is the kind of thing that I do. And and I think the final encouragement I would give to, to your listeners is just that, God is good. You know, we know that. And, you know, we've heard that over and over, but that he's good in his own ways, that he's not good in just the ways we ask for. He's he's good in a way that's mysterious and wild and much more profound than we can even kind of uh, grasp mentally. And so sometimes knowing the goodness of God means we also have to accept his wildness and his mysterious ways and let him be God and be good at the same time. And that's that's really what we learned is that God is good, but he he does his own thing. <laughs> and um, you know, uh, we acknowledging the truth of God is acknowledging both of those things, not just one or the other. Wow. Well, I I'm just I'm blown away by your story because, you know, time and time again when things crop up in our own lives, I, I always tell my husband, you know, we need to focus on the positive and I try to pray with him and he as in the last few years we've been married 11 years has become more pessimistic in the midst of a, a difficult startup and difficult partner relationships and, you know, working really hard um without really seeing any results or cooperation from them and every day he gets up and he doesn't eat and he's depressed and he mm. doesn't know if, you know, he can continue on and doesn't want to say, he says, I don't want to admit that this was a failure because he's put his family, you know, in a uh, in difficult situation because I work two jobs. And I said, none of this is a failure. What have you learned from this? You appreciate your family more, don't you? I yeah. mean, and I always go with um, through and make this golden list that a friend taught me, uh, mm-hmm. which is a gratitude list of all the things we can be thankful for. And our health is one of the main things on the list. So I just think that in those difficult times, we have to grasp onto those rays of sunshine that the Lord gives us. And that sense of peace he can give us in the midst of these trials. Peter, do you have a website we can go to and to find out more about you and Blindsided by God? Yeah, um, you can find more information on my website, peterwchin.com. And I also am a columnist for Christianity Today and some of my works and my, my biography is also there as well. Excellent. Thanks so much, Peter. God bless you. Yeah, thanks, Angie. Thanks for having me on. No need to wait until Sunday to sing your favorite worship songs. Join in right here on 810 KLVZ, where love lives. Stop. Take a moment to think and ask yourself, is my business going where I want it to go? Am I being a good captain at the helm of my ship? If you said no or are struggling to come up with a decent answer, you need some guidance. Carrie Conley of Infinite Nation can assist you in setting goals, achieving them, and getting you and your business to the next level. You might need to restructure how you go about handling your business, clients, vendors, employees, and even your personal life. Carrie Conley is the co-creator of Infinite Nation and can coach you to have the business and life that you've always imagined. Carrie offers a free 30-minute consultation to figure out how you can work together and set goals that stick to set you up for success. Go to InfiniteNation.com to design your vision and get started on the road to victory today. Grow your true passion and gain the tools and supportive community you'll need to progress while remaining completely anchored in your goals. Get Carrie to give you a nudge or a push in the right direction. InfiniteNation.com. I-N-F-I-N, the number eight, Nation.com. This is a good place. I really like it. 
This is Eric. He's an ambassador with ARC Thrift Stores. Yeah, I started at the Brick Break and sorting the different Brick Break stuff also. Then I went to the showcase and then I got hired to be a cashier. He knows that with hard work and dedication that he will advance in the workplace because he also knows... They trust you to do a good job. And he loves where he works. I'm the opening cashier, so I'm there from 8 a.m. to 4.30 and I have to make sure the registers are ready to go, the right tags are on the computer so we could get the right discounts on there and make sure there's enough bags. Support ambassadors like Eric and the differently abled people in your community by shopping at ARC Thrift Stores. It's a very good place. It's Everybody's real positive and it feels good to be around that. ARC needs your donations of gently used clothing and household items. To find the most convenient donation station, donation box, or ARC Thrift Store location, go to arcthrift.com. That's arcthrift.com. Yeah, overall, I'm very happy and thankful, like I said, about ARC. Hi, I'm Angie Austin with the good news. I'm Angel Tessie with Experience Pros. All right, so we're radio hosts who want to make your life better. We have an excellent event coming up. If you're feeling low, you're feeling blue, you've had a difficult past, you're depressed, whatever it may be, we have an event coming up called Real Women, Real Issues, Real Solutions. And Angel, you are going to talk about your family life. Absolutely. A tough time that my husband and I went through several years ago, how we managed to get through that and actually come out as a healthier husband and wife couple. And I am so excited to share this story for the first time at Real Women. And I'm really excited to talk about overcoming the past and I've lost family members to drug addiction, murder, etc. And I want people to know how they can become a victor in life and not a victim uh, to forgive and get over the past and the steps that you can take in your own life to achieve your goals and get the life that you really want. The Lord wants that for us. So we'd love for you to come. It's October 3rd. It's in Highlands Ranch at the Jubilee Church. Are you excited, Angel? I am so excited. Ladies last year said it was life-changing. So please come join us. Angie Austin, Radio com click on events 810 klbz where love lives welcome back to the good news well the good news is we have someone to help you achieve your dreams and your goals uh, carrie conley with infinite nation says that vision is victory and she says we need to get our focus on get our vision checked so that we can get our goals down on paper in a very concrete way to achieve our dreams hi carrie Hi, Angie. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. So you've got a big event coming up next Friday. Not this Friday, but next Friday. The yes, Vision is August Victory. 14th. Yes. The 14th. What are you going to teach us? You know, this is my signature thing, Angie. You know, I went into being a speaker and an entrepreneurial coach three years ago. And um, the workshop that I've done for the past three years is turning into uh, a book and um, also a visual, uh, visual oh, workshop. Is this point. new news? Wait, it's turning into a book. Did I know this? I have a book in uh, the works right now called Vision is Victory's uh, book. Wow. So that'll be coming out in October. And as you know, I have a huge event that I do every January that's now called Vision is Victory, the event. But the workshop that I do is the signature thing that kind of started this whole thing off because I do a one-day workshop to help people understand why vision is everything and understand that it's related to the success of your business, the success of your personal life. And most of all, I've been hearing overwhelmingly from everybody I've talked to this summer that they're having a focus problem. And that always comes down to lack of vision. So at the workshop next Friday, August 14th, we're going to work that out on paper. 
All right, so explain some of the things that you'll teach everyone, you know, uh, to do in order to, I think it kind of makes the, the, the it more concrete so you can see your goals and then you can get it down into little bite-sized pieces so you know what to tackle every day and you know what to say no to. So how do you, yes. um, how do you teach them to write all of this down? You know, everybody, when they walk into the room, Angie, they come in feeling very unfocused and very overwhelmed. And so what happens throughout the day progressively is we start with talking about why vision is everything. And then we get people to actually write their three-year vision on paper. And you know, because I've done this with you and Mm -hmm. several people you've seen me do this with in my workshop. And what happens out of them getting it down on paper is several things become crystal clear and locked and loaded in their their heart, their soul, and their mind, so that by the end of the day, they can walk out with little baby step things to do so that they don't feel so overwhelmed and they can stay more focused and make the right decisions with their time and money. It's kind of a game changer kind of day for a lot of people. Oh, my. Well, I know that because I've been in there and people get really emotional when they finally break through to what they really want, because I think so many times we hide behind our busyness and that our goals just fall in the ditch of life and we leave them so far behind. You can't even see them in the rearview mirror anymore and you don't even know what you wanted when you were younger because you're just Mm -hmm. trying to survive every day. And then when you sit down and you write down what you really want out of life, people get very emotional. It brings back memories of what they wanted to do, what they planned to do, and what they know that they actually are capable of doing if they put their mind to it, their work, you know, and and work on it. That is exactly why I do what I do, Angie, because I have a belief that God has given us all this very special mission that we are to complete while we're here on this earth. And we knew what it was at one point. It's that flicker of that little thing, like you said, that we once knew and we were really excited about, and then life got in the way, and we get so far from it. And why this day is so emotional is because I believe that I help people get reattached to that and get excited about that, and it gives them hope and a direction. And hope is everything. <laughs> hope is everything. you got to have that. That's why I named my daughter Hope. It's such, a, it's such a beautiful thing, Hope. All right, so with that said, um, I don't want to scare people off about the emotion, but people mm. come up to the microphone and talk about their goals, and they talk about things that they forgot that they wanted, or, you know, when I was younger, I always wanted to do this, and I realized this is really in my DNA. I was meant to do this speak or whatever it may be, host a radio show, and then you help us break it down into bite-sized pieces, and I, I think it's a wonderful workshop. Um, how do people get information? Do they need to RSVP? Do they just come to the workshop? How does this work? Yes, I need to register and you can do that by just going to my new website, infinitenation.com. Infinitenation.com. Well, Carrie, you've been a real um, inspiration to me and I always enjoy going to your events. And, you know, one of my goals when I started working with you was to have a nationally syndicated show, which I have now. And so it does help to write your vision down. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Angie. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com.